Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders! Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Got to give big ups to my guy, Harry Ruiz, who did a fantastic job holding it down for the JT The Brick Show the last two hours, noon to two, right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Got a shout-out to my dude, Damon Cotton, who's holding it down in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. And I am at the house. I am at the Q studio. Holding it down, and it's funny. Uh, my car is currently at Finley Cadillac. <laughs> so, a uh, funny story. Funny story, as I, I'm excited about today's show, excited about uh, what's going to come up in the next couple days for myself. But uh, just, <laughs> it's so funny. Anyone who's ever listened to me for quite a while knows that when it comes to traveling, I have the worst luck ever. So tomorrow I'm going to be traveling. So myself and the wife are going to be taking a flight, taking a little vacation time, a little R&R time starting tomorrow, right? So what could possibly go wrong? Well, how about the minute I go to get into my car this morning and head to the radio station, I hear click, 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 click. Welcome to Las Vegas. Batteries go to die. Batteries go to die in Las Vegas, and that's what happened to mine. So I never made it to the radio station today. Missed a couple meetings earlier, but uh, we're going to get through it. So now I'm holding it down at the studio, the home studio, and, of course, DeMond's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. And it's funny, when I actually got my car over to Finley Cadillac a little earlier today, I said, hey, um, I can do the show from here if you want. (laughs) I told him that straight up. I was like, hey, man, we already broadcast live from the Philly Cadillac Performance Studio each and every day, so I could just pull up in one of these little uh, cubicles right here and do the show if you want. And they all looked at me like, uh, look, man, you've been here before, and you were super loud. We don't need that super loud to be here today. So, now nah, we're going to run you on back to the house, and you can come pick up your car a little bit later. So uh, the good thing is they're taking really good care of me, and I will have my car back ready to go uh, before – Well, before I take off and leave out of town, so that's good. I guess it's better that it happens now than it happens while I'm on vacation. But, of course, that is my luck. But, hey, it's not really about me. It's about this fantastic show that we have lined up for you this afternoon. Very excited about it. Have some really good guests. Have some really good conversation to get to. And starting off at 2.30, we'll have our guy Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas, also the Review Journal. He'll join the show just to talk all things Raiders, talk about the schedule, talk about everything going on on and off the field with the Silver and Black and uh, we'll just pick his brain. We'll also talk a little bit of uh, Vegas Golden Knight as their uh, as their head coach Pete DeBoer got fired yesterday. So what's next for the Golden Knights? We'll we'll pick his brain about that. He was at the press conference yesterday talking about the Golden Knights head coach being removed. Then at three o'clock, our normal Tuesday guest John McClain for the Houston Chronicle. He'll join the show to talk all things NFL. Of course, we'll continue that conversation about the schedule and talk about everything going on, including Deshaun Watson is in Texas meeting with the NFL and uh, some. Some kind of suspension I expect is going to be coming down sooner rather than later, but we don't have any idea what that's going to be. And, of course, the league is so inconsistent, nobody has any real good idea of what it's going to be. But we'll talk to John McClain about all things NFL. That's coming up at 3 o'clock. Then 
Really excited about this conversation we have at 3.30. Uh, my guy used to be my tag team partner, Steven Simcox, uh, when I was at ESPN Central Texas. He was my co-host slash producer, really good dude. He's a big-time Dallas Maverick fan. And, of course, I'm a big Warrior fan, so the Warriors and the Mavericks are going to square up tomorrow to start the Western Conference Finals. And so he's going to join the show uh, to talk about the Mavs point of view. I'll talk about the Warriors. We'll go back and forth. Maybe we'll put a little on-air bet going on at the same time. He's also the host of Locked On TCU. So if you're a TCU Horn Frog like uh, Paloma Villacana is, then maybe that's a, a show that you need to check out. But uh, Steven's a really good dude, like one of my one of my favorite dudes. Like out of all the guys that I've worked with, probably one of the favorite dudes that that I've ever worked with. I mean, just all in all, a genuine guy. He's low key funny. He's one of those guys. Like Demon, you're funny. You know, you got funny things that you'll say and you'll make you laugh. Uh, but but you're very over the top with it, right? Which is fine. Steven is like low key funny. You know what I mean? Where he won't even you won't even know that he's trying to be funny. He'll just say something, and it's like, oh, that was funny. You know what I mean? So there's different levels to that funny game. And uh, Steven, he's got that, man. He's low-key funny, so he'll join the show at 3.30, close things out, talk a little NBA playoffs. And the Eastern Conference Finals, they get started tonight, Boston and Miami. But uh, the Western Conference is really where I'm paying attention to as I'm hoping that the Warriors could find a way to to knock off Luka in the Mavs and move on to the finals. And I feel like they have a good chance to do it, but – Luca's playing some damn good ball. Jason Kidd, I think, is a really good head coach. And it's so funny when when uh, when Rick Carlisle stepped down as the head coach there in Dallas, I, I remember one of the first guys I suggested was Jason Kidd because of his ties with the Mavericks, plus he's a point guard that everyone was saying, well, you know, Luca's very Jason Kidd-like. So I remember asking, and we'll talk about this with Steven at 3.30, I said, what would you think about Jason Kidd? No, hell no, hell no, I don't want Jason Kidd as the head coach. We had so many guys on as we were in Central Texas, so many guys on that were talking about the Mavs, and I kept bringing up, well, what about Jason Kidd? You want to see him as the head coach? Nope, nope. Nah, he'd be terrible for the organization. He'd be awful. And, well, lo and behold, here they go. Now they're in the Western Conference Files with Jason Kidd as the head coach. And I actually tweeted out on Sunday after they dismantled the Suns. I tweeted out. I said, hey, remember when nobody wanted Jay Kidd as the head coach? Remember that? And I, I, I pointed out a couple guys that were very adamant about it, and uh, that's how we got this whole thing set up. So uh, Steven will join us at 3.30. We'll talk about the Mavs. We'll talk about the Warriors Western Conference Finals as it gets started tomorrow. But uh, like I said, very excited about today's show. Of course, throughout the course of the show, Raider Nation, we want to hear from you, 702-365-9200, and the Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. You know, that's a side note. I'm kind of disappointed, Demond, and I, I definitely want you to chime in. And I'm not sure how much of a uh, oh boy, how, how, yeah, I'm not sure how much like you're even into Keisha Cole or not. But have you seen this slander that's running around Twitter about Keisha Cole? Uh, is it be, is it that she's dating Antonio Brown? Yes, yes, yes. And then I saw where it said that Antonio Brown was like done with her, and she got A B tatted on her backside, and he's like basically done with her or something like that. And look, I've always said that Keisha Cole is. Uh, She's got hood rat tendencies, right? She's very town, town business. And I'm not, I have no problem with that. Keisha Cole is one of my favorite R&B artists. I think that Keisha Cole is great. You know, I cut for Keisha Cole any day. But you want to talk about disappointing. Have you ever been, like, super disappointed in somebody, knowing that it doesn't matter at all if you're disappointed or not? Like, Keisha Cole don't care if I'm disappointed in her if she's dating Antonio Brown. But I'm so disappointed in her for dating Antonio Brown if she is, in fact, dating him. That just kind of hurt my feelings today. That was not the way I wanted to start off the day. And then finding out, and then my car not not starting either. That didn't help. So, yeah, I'm 0 for 2 so far today. I'm Now I'm looking more into it. I'm on the Twitter as we speak. 
because I kind of just saw one tweet and I was like, okay, who cares? But I didn't know he was out here doing her dirty like this. He's publicly apologizing. Oh, man, down bad. I, I just man down, man down. I feel bad about that situation because, again, I'm a big Keisha Cole uh, fan, and I know that uh, she's she's gone through it. She's gone through it with her, her baby daddy. She went through it with young Jeezy. She's gone through it with a whole bunch of different people. But Antonio Brown, of all people? Antonio Brown? Come on. He was on a yacht with Floyd in Dubai. Oh, man, don't bring man. up that guy again, please, please. Oh, man. So, yeah, I'm, not, I'm doing bad when it comes to that. But I just that was a side note that I wanted to bring to the show real quick just because I keep seeing it all over Twitter, and it just drives me crazy every time I see it. Not Keisha. You know how you feel? Not Keisha. Anyone but A.B. Anyone but A.B. But there you go. A.B. it is apparently. Bums uh, stay winning. Uh, look, man, look. It's not winning. <laughs> it's not winning in my book, but I guess he did win at least once or twice. She tatted. Why would she tat his initials on her? Why would she do that? Do we still do that these days? <laughs> is, that, is that still a thing coming from the guy, uh, Damon, who still hasn't got his Raider tattoo yet? Yeah, not in my book. Not, not for me. I mean, you're the one who has a few tattoos. I mean, maybe that's something that you old heads still hold on to. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I can do it. I'm married. I can do it. I can do it. I, I got the wife's name, but I, I'm, I'm married, so I'm good. You know, I got my son's names. I could do that. We're we're good, but yeah. Got a text real quick. Six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. She should have cheated the remix. That's right. Absolutely, man. What a great album that was. What a great album. Uh, Mailman Raider also hit us up. Hey Q, I think you said you're doing a best of while you're on vacation. Could you add the where Demond said he didn't believe in momentum, then proceed to ask a question about having too much momentum the next day? Also, if you could change one thing about the schedule, what would it be? Mine would move back the buy. Mailman Raider, I like that. That's a good question. That wasn't the topic that I was going to bring to the table today, but that's actually a good question. If you could change one thing about the the schedule, the current schedule of the Raiders, what would it be? Um, that's a really good question. He said he'd move back the buy. I think me personally, I would just I would change the the primetime games. I would give them at least one more primetime game at home. Um and I would have it scheduled in in ink already, you know, not one of those that could be flexed. Um I and I think that I mean, I think the last game of the season makes all the sense in the world against Kansas City, but then you have the Battle of the Bay against the, the 49ers. I mean, that, that's, that's a great one, too. But then that means that they wouldn't have primetime games at home till the very end of the season like they do right now with the Patriots. Oh, man. You know, you could always change the game from uh, Halloween Eve in New Orleans to actually Halloween, that Monday night football game. That'd be a change that I could make. There's a few changes that I would make to the schedule, but for the most part, I don't really have a problem with it. I mean, I really don't. I think that it's pretty good. Uh, I just think that there's a few little tweaks that could have been made, like a, a couple more home primetime games. I'm still kind of confused why they only so far have scheduled one. But thank you so much for that text, man. That's good. And if you want to chime in and say what you would change about the schedule, feel free to do that. It's a good topic, Mailman Raider. Appreciate you uh, for hitting us up, 69187, keyword R&R. And, of course, you could always hit us up on the Raider Nation listener line, 702-365-9200. Now, I did have a, a topic that I wanted to bring to the table as well and that's because of what I was talking about on my podcast this morning and that was really ranking the the head coaches in the AFC West and the reason I'm, I'm kind of doing this is because we've been talking a lot about the AFC West and where the Raiders lie and and how everyone has them with the fourth best team fourth best quarterback you know and I'm thinking I'm like they don't have the fourth best head coach in the division they don't you know I, I we all know I think everyone knows 
that Andy Reid is the number one guy in the division. I think that's a no-brainer. Big Red is that guy, right? I mean, he's already been there, done that. So, you know, where do the rest of the coaches rank? And so let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. We'll talk about it. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. All right, so if Big Red is number one, Kansas City's head coach, if he's number one in the division, you have Brandon Staley. And, DeMond, I'm sure that this is a conversation that you'd love to be a part of. Uh, Brandon Staley is there with the Chargers. He's getting all the love. He's got a, a winning record, but it's only one year. And there's things he could have done. There were some decisions that he made throughout the course of the year that probably has a lot of Charger fans looking saying, yeah, but I think there's still a lot of questions when it comes to Brandon Staley. I think a lot of people like him. There's a lot of things to talk about when it comes to him. He's the hot young, uh, hot shot young guy, you know, but he's a defensive minded head coach. So you can't really say, well, what he used to do is, you know, he put up really good offenses and they were able to score a lot of points. You can't say that because he's a defensive minded guy. So he's there. Right, And then you have Josh McDaniels and you have Nathaniel Hackett. And on my podcast, I struggled when it came to who was number two. I really did because I, I want to say that I believe Josh McDaniels is number two because of his offensive mind and, and how sharp he was in New England as an offensive coordinator. But I also have to take into consideration his struggles when he was in Denver. I mean, you just can't ignore that, right? It's there. It's part of who you are until you prove that you're someone different. So by default – I gave Brandon Staley number two and Josh McDaniels number three and Nathaniel Hackett I gave fourth because he has no history as a head coach and he was an offensive coordinator a couple times. So I want to hear from you, Raider Nation. I would love to hear from you at 702-365-9200 and the Salmon Ash text line is 69187, keyword R&R. If you had to put together the pecking order of the head coaches in the AFC West, outside of Andy Reid, how would you rank them? How would you – who's second, who's third, and who's fourth? That's just – Again, it's, it's one of those conversations that I just think needs to be had, and I don't think it's being had enough. I don't think the head coaches in this division are getting enough conversation. I think everyone's talking about the quarterbacks. Everyone's talking about the weapons or lack of weapons with Kansas City, them losing Tyreek Hill. I think everyone's talking about what's going on with the Chargers and the, the guys they brought in specifically on defense and J.C. Jackson and Khalil Mack. And, you know, they went in and, and had a, a pretty good draft as far as I'm concerned. But there's not enough attention being placed on the head coaches. So uh, would love to would love to hear from you and uh, get your thoughts on how you think they should be ranked. And while we do that, while you think about it, I want you to hear this little sound bite. I was recording this interview earlier today at the house. I've been very active today. I was recording this interview with Eric Igor from or Eager, excuse me, from Pro Football Focus. Uh, I was talking to him about the AFC West. I was talking to him about uh, you know the, the the division as far as the head coaches go. You know, and and all the love that Denver's got, all the love that the Chargers have gotten, all the love that the Chiefs get, but the Raiders everywhere you look are ranked fourth. And he had mentioned something about the offensive line and the, the questions that were still at the offensive line. So I asked him, I said, okay, I get the questions at the offensive line. I have those questions at the offensive line as well, especially the right side. I want to know how that's going to be put together. I, I get it that that could be considered a weak link. But is that the reason why the Raiders are ranked fourth in the division? What a great answer he has. Check this out. I, I think it's partially that, but I also think it's partially the fact that the Raiders – you know, for, you know, I think the third straight year were not as good as their record indicated. So last season, if you look, 
you know, they, they scored 374 points. They gave up 439 points. So if you look at that, like that's actually like a seven and 10 point differential. Right. Uh, the year before in 2020, they, you know, were outscored by their opponents, finished eight and eight. That was more like a seven and nine score differential. And then in 2019, when they were seven and nine, you know, a, a pop-up team, they had the point differential of a five and 11 team, right? So for consistently the Raiders, and this is why, you know, the betting markets have always been so low on them. And if you've bet the Raiders over the last couple of years, you've had some success is that the people just don't believe in them from a fundamental perspective. They've always, they've gotten, you know, they've done well in close games when people don't believe that close games generally translate from year to year. Uh, that's where I think that the initial skepticism is with the Raiders. I think, uh, in addition to that, it is the offensive line. I mean, I think Colt Miller has crafted a pretty good career for himself. Um, everywhere else, though, there are question marks. And uh, I, you know, Carr is a good enough quarterback. I think this is where he separates himself from like the Kirk Cousins and the Brian Tannehill's of the world, where he can elevate a bad offensive line. Um, but you would obviously prefer to have a better offensive line than that. Now, be that as it may, Renfro and Adams are players that can get open in the first two and a half seconds of a play, which I think significantly reduces the the effect of a poor offensive line. So there you go right there. There's Eric Igor, or Eager, excuse me, from uh, Pro Football Focus. I don't know why I keep calling him that. But, uh, yeah, Eric Eager from uh, Pro Football Focus with a very detailed answer on why he feels that the Raiders are ranked fourth everywhere. And I have to admit that the point differential and where they actually rank makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, it, it makes sense. So uh, I've been very adamant about questioning all these different rankings and why they're ranked fourth and they're a 10-win team and they went to the playoffs and, and why not, you know, why not them have a little bit higher ranking? But when you hear an answer like that, doesn't that make – it does make a little bit of sense, right? I mean, to me, Damon, how do you feel about it? When you hear that answer, it feels like that that actually makes a lot of sense. They just are actually have been more successful than the points they've been scoring. Yeah, it makes sense, and I see why maybe that could be indicative of, hey, this team, they didn't win by, like, the total amounts that add up. Right. But the Broncos still did not even finish 500 last season. Yeah. So That's for true. me, that it's like, okay, maybe if you want to say third because you think that, hey, like, if some wins, if some plays would have broke a different way, the Raiders could have easily have been 9-8 and eight, and the Chargers could have easily have been 10-7. and seven. Okay, but they were still by far better than the Broncos. Right. No, I agree. I agree. I just was I'm trying to get to the bottom of it because, you know, I feel like it's got to be something that's going on. It's not just, oh, we all hate the Raiders and we're just going to put them last. You know what I mean? It's got to be something else. But I think with the the point differential that he pointed out, you got to get the Raiders a lot of credit because even though the point differential was not great, they still found ways to win games. And ultimately, what matters? W's and L's. And they found ways to win games. So this is why I'm excited, and this is why I talk about Josh McDaniels potentially being the number two coach in the division. If they can actually get into the red zone and cash in, Fabian says it all the time, seven, not three. You know what I mean? You don't want to have that negative four. If they can get in there and cash in with touchdowns more often than not, that point differential is going to be a lot different, and you're not going to have six games that you have to win on walk-off fashion or you have to be real tight till the end because you don't know what's going to happen. That's going to change the game. They, to their credit, I think you got to give the Raiders a lot of credit, they found ways to win games despite underachieving when it comes to the red zone. And again, the negative four points that they always receive when they're getting down to the red zone and they have to kick a field goal. I think everyone loves Daniel Carlson. I think we all 
including myself, would love to see a lot less of him. You know? And, and look, I get it. Hey, he's fantastic. It's great to be able to go to him and know that he's going to be money more times than not. But I'm sure he'll probably tell you, like, yeah, I'd rather kick extra points and kick off than having to kick so many field goals. That right there is going to be a huge key in 2022 for the silver and black. And I think that's where Josh McDaniels is really going to make his, his worth and show his worth because that red zone offense, if you go back and look at the Patriots, look how good and successful they were in the red zone. If the Raiders could do that, that right there, they're going to be a lot better team. Let's go out to the Raider Nation listening line at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy Juan the Smasher right here in Vegas. What's up, Juan? What's up, Q? What's going on? Chilling, man. Chilling. Hey, uh, first thing foremost, hey, Damon, welcome back, man. We miss you. And uh, thank, thank uh, you. hey, Q, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer your question. Why do these donkeys keep getting all this love from everybody? I'll tell <laughs> you why. Because they they just hate us, bro. The last two years, we just been sweeping these fools. I don't get it myself because at Madden, they're trash, too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, he, and these guys always get love. I don't know why. It's, it's that stupid logo. But you know what? When these guys get dogged out again, twice, I'm going to be yelling at Sam's Club. We have a spill, Nile 5. Somebody bring the, the, the brooms. Let's, let's sweep these fools. Let's go Raiders. There you go. Hey, good call, my man. I appreciate you. And, yeah, a lot of the love, man, a lot of the love for the for the Broncos is coming from the fact that they got Russell Wilson and they got Nathaniel Hackett. And a lot of people are looking at Hackett as the guy that was the engineer behind what Green Bay was doing when, in fact, it was really Matt LaFleur who was pushing the buttons and calling the shots. So, yeah, he was the OC there in Green Bay, but he wasn't calling the shots. He was calling the shots in 2017 for the Jaguars, and they did have a successful uh, offense that year, but really that team was led by the defense, in my opinion. I mean, he worked with Blake Bortles, so we know that working with Russell Wilson is going to be a lot better than working with Blake Bortles, but that's why they're getting the love, and that's why I asked the question that I asked to the people that I asked it to so I can get the answers as well, because I obviously don't have all the answers. Let's talk to our guy, Gangster Raider, calling out of L.A. What's on your mind, Gangster? What's happening? Feeling good, feeling good. Headed out there tonight. Finna come out there, celebrate my son's 21st birthday tomorrow. So I'm pumped up, you know what I'm saying? Come out there, join us tomorrow at the Raiders Tavern and Grill, 6 o'clock tomorrow night. You know what I'm saying? I told you we were going to start off the season against the Chargers. I just thought we were going to be at home since we won the last game against them, you know, to go to the playoffs. I thought the um, game against the Chargers would be at home, and I thought it would be a Monday night game. You know what I'm saying? And the things I would change about the schedule is I think the bye is too early. I like to have a bye toward the middle of the season. So with the 17 games, I think anywhere from week 8 to week 11 is ideal for the bye. Because, you know, week 6, after week 6, we got 12 games left after the bye. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's a whole lot of games to have after the bye. You know what I'm I like to have the bye midway through the season so we can rest up, you know, halfway through the season to get ready for the second half. You know what I'm saying? Another thing I like to tell I think we need to have – um, more Monday night games like that. Um, New Orleans games, like you said, that need to be on Monday night because that's Halloween. Halloween is on Monday night. That'll be perfect. You know, the Saints and the Raiders. You know what I'm saying? Then the Colts, that should have been a Sunday night game. And the Frisco game should have been a um, Sunday night or Monday night game. I say Monday night. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. And um, also, one of these. Um, one of these other um, games, um, AFC West games, I say probably one of these Bronco games should have been either um, uh, uh, um, national game. I don't know which national game, but they should have been a national game because you know we got the best the best uh, division in the AFC. I mean, in the league. 
Yeah, I got you. Got I got I got to run, but good call, my man. I appreciate you. Lots of changes you'd have to the to the uh, to the schedule right there. So that's good stuff. I want to try to squeeze one more call in before uh, we get to Ed Grady from ESPN Las Vegas and also the Review Journal. Let's talk to our guy Raider Mac. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, Q. What's going on? Chilling, man. Chilling. All right. Hey, Q. First of all, first of all, don't let that dude. That's a bunch of okie dokie telling you on the point <laughs> differential. Because Denver Broncos, go look it up. Two years in a row, they their point differential has been a lot lower than than the Raiders, and so all of a sudden they favored over us. Come on, man, that's that's a bunch of all watch, man. These, these okay. dudes just they keep they keep they keep making excuses. But it, it, here's the thing I, I wanted to say was that you know as far as the schedule, I would have more sun. I, I think we need one or two Sunday night games, which we don't have. Uh, that we should have, uh, and, and that that's my point. But as far as why they 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 dogging us, can't you look at the um the uh, the Bengals offensive line? I mean, they just they just got a, a, a left tackle, but they were the worst in the league. Joe Burrow got sacked more than anybody else, so that's an excuse. They make an excuse after excuse why they doing us like that. But it's okay. Let's we we, we gonna be okay. We just need to shore up some positions and, and we're gonna be good. But Everybody's got us fourth, even Vegas, our hometown. All the books got us fourth place in the yeah. division. So yeah, yeah. So that's a bunch of excuses. But I, I did want to say one thing, one more thing, and I'll let you go. I know you, you're on time. Hey, um, Q, when when um, the the mini camps start, are you guys going to be able to go into the um, into uh, into the practices, or are they going to do the same thing again like they did? for the rookie minicamp and stuff, and I'll let you go. Hey, great question, my man. Great question. I'd love to know the answers to that. I currently don't know. Uh, you know, I was expecting them to, to allow us to be there at the start of the offseason workouts. Uh, that was a little three-day thing. They didn't let us do that. Rookie minicamp, we weren't there either. So I really don't know. Everything is all brand new for us. So we'll see. Um, I would expect us to be at minicamp, but the minute I say that, the minute that we won't be. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, I know they have mandatory minicamp coming up. Then they'll have a big lull, and then they'll have training camp. And I know for a fact we'll be there at training camp. So uh, they might not. They might not let us there at any minicamp, but you could rest assured sure that once training camp kicks in we'll definitely all be there we'll be taking care of business and uh, you'll be getting all the top-notch coverage as we provide each and every year so that's what we are dedicated to do around here thank you so much for that call i do appreciate you got a lot of text to get to we'll get to that uh, after we talk to our guy ed graney from espn las vegas also to rj the review journal does a fantastic job with both talking all things raiders silver and black this is unnecessary roughness on radio nation radio 920 Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Just saw a PR release from ESPN. Said ESPN Films announces a 30 for 30 documentary on the 2000 Ravens. Co-directed by NFL Films' Ken Rogers and Jason Weber. More on that. You can click on the link. But I bring that up because the 2000 Ravens are the team that beat the Raiders 16-3 in the AFC Championship game at the Coliseum. Uh, I think everyone remembers that game. I remember being there and very disgusted by the outcome of that game. Uh, that was the game where Shannon Sharp galloped all the way to the end zone to score a touchdown. That was uh, not a very good day for Raider Nation. So not only did we as Raider Nation have to endure the tuck rule 30 for 30, but now here comes one about that 2000 Ravens team, a 30 for 30 
from ESPN. So just go ahead and put that in your notes. Right now on the phone lines, patiently waiting, is our guy ESPN, Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas, also the Review Journal. Ed, thank you so much for your time. What do you think? 30 for 30 on the 2000 Ravens. You going to be watching that one? How much were you disappointed at those, like, the, I think it was like four picks and – uh, was that the game Stover made a bunch of field goals? Uh, yeah, that was Stover made a bunch of uh, field goals. Yeah. That was uh, Gannon got a belly Gannon flop got by. Knocked out. Yes, exactly. I was there in attendance. Me, Mama Q, my homeboy Corey, who a- actually oh, is a Ravens fan. It was really disgusting, man. It was it was a bad day for me. <laughs> yeah, you can't be happy about that. And those no. thirty for thirties are usually really good. Yes, exactly. Matter of fact, I remember I bet Corey before the game that the Raiders were going to win, so I bet him my Charles Woodson jersey, and I said I was going to burn it if the Raiders lost. You know I didn't, I didn't fall through with that bet. That was one of those bets no, that I was no. like, nope, not going to do it. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it yeah was that was uh, – I'm trying to think back of anything I can remember from that. Um, Stover, him getting knocked out, they threw a bunch of picks. Yep. It was not a good day all the way around. No, no, and that was at the home. That was at the home stadium too. It was all bad. But hey, that's Trent Dilfer went nine for eighteen. Thank you, Demond. <laughs> oh, thank you, Demond. That's good. There you go, man. Look, he's just rubbing it in the wounds now, rubbing it in the wounds. <laughs> but uh, we do have Ed Grady on. We want to talk about the current Raiders, and we want to look at the schedule. You know, it dropped last week. Obviously, that was a big deal when it did drop. When you looked at it, you had mentioned before that you looked to see, you know, the late games, deadlines, and all that other stuff as a writer but what stood out to you the most about this Raiders schedule going into 2022 um well in the beginning uh I think if I'm not mistaken three and five are the AFC West and you can come out of that fine or you can come out of that really well or really bad so I think you know looking at the Chargers uh then Arizona Tennessee but then Denver KC back to back um when I saw that I'm like all right let's see how they are after five going into the bye week they're two and one in the division. They're you know they're in it three and zero, zero and three. You'd probably be worried. And then after that, it was pretty much the last six games. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was. I thought you know Chargers obviously at the Rams, um, Patriots. You know it, Pittsburgh on a short week, and in in, who knows what the weather's going to be like there. Home to the Niners and home to KC. So you know that's going to probably be the you know the tale if they make the playoffs or not. And that, those are really tough games. So they need to get a lot in the middle. Um, and some in the beginning, and then by the, and then those you know those last six. I'm you know I'm talking out the head here in terms of the schedule. But maybe split those last six, and all of a sudden you're in a playoff spot. Right, and you know it's funny looking at that first five weeks and knowing that they have the bye week after that. How much do you think, knowing that they have to play every team in the division before that bye week, how much do you think that we are going to be able to learn about the Raiders in that, that those first five weeks? I mean, I think we'll learn a ton about them, right? I mean, uh, and two of them are on the road. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the Chargers and KC, KC on Monday Night Football. So we'll learn a lot about them in terms of the division. Um, can't throw away the Arizona at Tennessee. Um, I think that, you know, with Derrick Henry, I mean, people people will probably think all oh, the Raiders are going to go there and win, and, but it's still a road game in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Anything on the road's hard. Um, but I think we'll know a lot about them, too, after those first five games. Um, I, heck, we might know a lot about them after the opener, to tell you the truth, because if they can go in there and beat those guys to start, um, that would be a heck of an effort if they can go in there and beat the Chargers. So we might we might know a lot about these guys early on. What were your thoughts when you saw that they only had one home primetime game, that, that game against the Patriots, as, as it's scheduled right now? Yeah. I mean, I, they got four total. I don't know how, I don't know how the schedule you know, um, uh, cranks those things out. Um, I think you can only have five, so they got four. So uh, what is it, Kansas City, Rams, Pats, and um, 
Oh, and, and the Steelers, I think, is it, you know, on Christmas yeah. Eve, right? Yeah. Yep. Really looking forward to being there on Christmas Eve. Too, I tell you, <laughs> it's really, it's really fired up when I saw that one. Um, that would be good. Be good flying back the next day on Christmas through probably like I don't know Des Moines, Iowa, or something. Right. Uh, but it's not about me. Um, <laughs> you know, I uh, no, I mean, you know, they got four. I didn't, I didn't look and see that it only was one at home. I mean, they they got four. Some didn't get any. I don't think I don't know if the Lions got any. So you got to be happy with four primetime games. It's, it's, it 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 features and highlights the product, and um, you know if they're good, it's even better. And if they're in a playoff race there at Rams Thursday night football, followed by Sunday night football against the Pats, followed by primetime with Pittsburgh. I think that's great. Um, you know if you're good and you're for the playoffs, then it's really an interesting time. Well, and then as I've been telling everyone else, those last two games, those are subject to be flexed if you're they in a good position as well. Yeah, right. they can be flipped. Exactly. So, I mean, how great would that be? We saw what it was last year, right? The last game of the season, uh, Sunday night football against the Chargers to, to win and get in. Uh, how great yep. would that be if that was the scenario again this year, except for it's against Kansas City, which I did not know. I didn't know this nugget, Ed, but I learned today Patrick Mahomes hasn't lost indoors. Did you know that? No. I guess I guess even with Pat Mahomes, that surprises me. Right. Um, that you have any kind of note like that. Uh, that he hasn't lost indoors, but you know if the Raiders are again win and go home, they're going to need him to lose indoors, I guess. Right, exactly, exactly. And I, I think that they are fortunate to get the Chiefs when they do week five, and then go into the bye, and then not get them again to the last game of the season. The and who knows? Yeah. You know, what I mean, who knows what the scenario is? I mean, it's it's funny, and it sets up for a scenario where if the Raiders were to win on the road and then have to win that eighteen that week eighteen game, basically they would sweep them, and that sounds insane. That oh, there's no way that they can sweep them. But there's a scenario where they might have to and if they do wouldn't that be a feather in the cap for the Raiders that'd be huge if they can sweep you know and we've talked about this before like who really is the best team I mean everyone's going to say Kansas City um I think the Chargers have a good chance to take it over so but you have to go into the season thinking that the Chiefs are the best team in the division so if right. you can come out of there with a sweep I mean that could really put yourself in a nice position I can't the thing I'm waiting more for than anything is to see how this division shakes out because mm-hmm. it's all that's been talked about in, in the NFL over the past, you know in the off season. It's probably the best division in football, and you're going to have a really really good team, if not two, you know, miss it. Um, and that that's you know is going to be bad for those teams or that team. But it's going to be interesting to see which ones how, how it folds out here because I think it's a really good division, and there's going to be some wars in that division this year. There really is. Again, we're talking with Ed Grady from ESPN Las Vegas, also the Las Vegas Review Journal here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. I opened up the show talking about the coaches. We know Big Red is the number one coach in the division. But after that, how do you see the coaches kind of stacking up? Because I think that Brandon Staley, even though he gets a lot of love, he still has a lot to prove. Josh McDaniels, obviously we know what happened in Denver, but he's been an offensive coordinator for a long time. Nathaniel Hackett, I think, is a big unknown because he hasn't been a head coach before. So how do you see the, the those coaches? Coaches kind of stacking up. You know, it's it's funny. Um, you know, Josh has done it before, and we know it didn't work out, right? But I think this time, uh, a clean slate. I think I think there's a lot of importance of failing, and I think you can learn a lot from failing. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to be much better this time around. I think he learned a lot. He was able to go back under Belichick and and, and see new things and, and and see how things work. You know, at, at a Wayne, you know, Wayne program, do it a second time and go back. Um, so well. Andy would be number one. Um, man, that's tough because Staley hasn't really, you know, the, 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 I think he's a good coach, but they're always the sexy pick each year to be the best team in the league. And they're right. always the best, you know, that, that's always, the, and now with Herbert, they're kind of going to be that pick. Um, I, I would, 
put those guys. I mean, it's weird. I might even put McDaniel's ahead of him because he's already been a head coach, and we've seen. You know, I, I'm t- he didn't succeed. I get that, but I think he learned a lot from it being around him, as you and I have been since he got the job there. And then you're right. I mean, with Nathaniel Hackey, you don't really know yet, so it's kind of hard to rank him above any of those guys. Um, but it's weird. I might put McDaniel's because of experience uh, and have gone through it and have gone through the failures of it uh, ahead of Staley at this point. All right, Ed, you made the good choice there. Perfect choice because <laughs> if you would have picked Brandon Staley, Mr. Go For It on fourth down, you would have lost all credibility in my book. And then oh, my geez. book doesn't mean a lot at all. But just know. <laughs> Again? Have I lost it again? You know, but you can gain it back right here. Ed, moving on to coaching, the Golden Knights, they fired head coach Peter DeBoer. And I've just got to ask, was this decision, was it just? Because I feel like that he had a good run. This is the team's first year missing the playoffs, and then they fired the head coach. Are the Golden Knights just one of those franchises that think that they should be at the top in the NHL every year? Well, um, I've talked about it. I wrote it. I'm on record. I don't think they should have fired him. I don't think he was the issue. Um Got him to a couple of conference finals. I know one was in the bubble. But, you know, all they talked about, uh, Demonios, all they talked about was 500 man games lost because of injuries. Well, Pete DeBoer doesn't get people injured. Um, now, did they have problems on the ice? Yeah, the power play, what their identity was. But at the end of the day, the injuries seeped into everything. So why, did you, why were you bad in the power play? Well, because you had guys in the power play who should have never been there because everyone was hurt. You know, why did this happen? Well, because the guys were on long-term IR and you couldn't, you know, maybe maneuver around what they, it was a horrible salary cap situation and continues to be. I thought Pete, I think Pete's a very, very good coach. I would not have moved on from him. So now they're entering their sixth season and they're going to have their third head coach. And it's not because guys have left for better jobs. You know, sometimes that happens. Either you stink and get fired or you're really, really good and move on for a better job. They, they fired Gerard Glant and Pete DeBoer in, a different, in different situations and neither was, neither was what I was talking about. So this will be their third coach in six seasons for a, pr- a program that's been really good and won a lot, and that just doesn't happen. So um, I was I was not for this hi- firing. I think it was wrong that they did it, and I think that they always want the next shiny toy. We've seen it in how they fu- hire or um, gone out of trades and signed free agents. They want the next big thing, and maybe they think there's the next big thing in coaching. We'll see who they hire. You know, there's names out there right now. But there's not a lot of names who are as good in terms of the resumes as Pete DeBoer. Maybe one guy out there, Barry Trotz, who beat them in the Stanley Cup final and, and, and just got bounced by the Islanders for whatever reason. But there's not a lot of guys you can say right now that are like, okay, that guy's automatically better than Pete. So to answer your question, I thought it was a bad move, and we'll see how it works out for them when they get their next coach. And one of the big things for the Vegas Golden Knights is always goalie because Flurry he was a hero here in Vegas. But <laughs> Ryman Leonard, I feel like he didn't live up to the hype. Should the team move on and just start Logan Thompson and maybe just let the young guy have a start and maybe free up some of that salary cap moving forward? Well, the hard part is you, you, they can't. They're not going to be. He's untradeable right now with his shoulder surgery, and he makes five million a year, so no one's going to take him. I mean, you'd have mm-hmm. to include picks. You'd have to really give him away and include other stuff for anyone to take him off your hands right now. Let's be honest, the Golden Knights have never been the most popular team in the league for what they did the first year, so no one's going to help them out. So I think for better or worse, Robin Leonard's on the team. Um, I think it's going to be a long uh, recovery process from the shoulder, so it wouldn't shock me if he begins next season on the LTIR, and here we go again with the salary cap. But, you know, Logan Thompson, you got to remember, I think Logan Thompson did a really, really good job. He only played 18 games. So is that a big enough sample size for you to say, okay, Everyone's healthy next year. You're a Stanley Cup contender, and we're going to ride Logan Thompson to try to get to the Stanley Cup. I mean, after 18 games, I don't know if you can say that, 
But I do think Robin Leonard is going to have something to say about it because you just can't move that contract right now. Talking right now with Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station, also the Las Vegas Review-Journal here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Ed, just got a, a couple more questions for you. Wanted to head back to the Raiders real quick. Um, Bradbury, we haven't heard anything about James Bradbury. I think the more quiet it is around him, the better it is for the Raiders, the better chance they have to sign him. Uh, do you think that that could be the piece that they're really, really waiting on to kind of complete this offseason? Uh, yeah, and hopefully another offensive lineman. We, you and I yeah. kid about it every week. Um, uh, uh, last I read about Bradbury, uh, Arizona was close to sign him, or he, they were a team that I might be out of touch there, but I thought Arizona was a, a team involved in him. But yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, that's a huge signing if they can get him. Um, we're, we, you know, we're looking right now, uh, who is it? It's, uh, Rocky Sin and Trayvon, uh, uh, Trayvon Mullen. Yeah. Uh, guys like Nate Hobbs and Anthony Everett and stuff like that. Amik Robertson is a backup, Darius Phillips, people like that. So, yeah, I mean, Q, if they could get him, um, those two starters are going to have some competition to, uh, you know, to, to be the starter. Um, so I think that's a guy who, like you said, we haven't heard much about lately. Maybe that's a good thing also. Sometimes that's a good thing, and they're negotiating with guys that are trying to get a guy, but I think he'd be great. And, again, I'll go back to the offensive line. Um, more and more, it looks like this. these might be the five. Um, I know there's a few other guys out there, but maybe, look, maybe they've, maybe they've evaluated the offensive line and think they can do a lot better with the people they have than the last staff. I don't know. I That has to be somewhat it right now, that they think guys like Alex Leatherwood, um, Denzel Good, you know, Jermaine Elmore, uh, Andre James, people like that, the, the, the kid that they drafted, maybe they think that they can be better than what they were before because I just I keep waiting around for them to get uh, guys you know beyond guys like Wheatley, uh, and it just hasn't happened. So I have a feeling maybe – They've looked at the film and say, you know what, we can be better than people think. <laughs> Every coach thinks that they could be the one, right? <laughs> Every, coach. Every coach thinks they can be the one, man. Every coach looks at the film and says, I'll get more out of Alex Leatherwood than they did. Yep. Every single coach believes that. Well, finally, Ed, I want to ask you about Max Crosby. We know he signed the contract extension in the offseason. Chandler Jones is his running buddy now instead of Unique Ngakwe, and they've added a lot of beef in the middle of that a defensive line with, with rumors that there's other guys that they're interested in. How much right. better do you think Max Crosby could be this year? Well, if you believe, and I do believe the work ethic, I still think he has a huge ceiling, and that says something for how good he's been. Uh, I think Jones is going to have a lot to do with that. Uh, you and I both know those names that are still that are people we're talking about. Yep. Um, and you know some huge names, but I think Max could have a really, really good season. Like I said, I think um, uh, Chandler's going to be a big deal to him, whether it's Nichols and Hankins and people like that inside, or someone else they go out and get. Um, there's a huge ceiling for Max, and you know what do we hear in the cliche on Max? You know, first one in, last to leave. Always the hardest worker. Guys like that continue to improve, you know, early in their careers. Their trajectory continues to go up. So I think Max could have a huge, huge year in this in this scheme, and I'll be surprised if he doesn't. You know, everything you hear about the guys, he's a constant worker and, uh, you know, just goes all out every day no matter what he's doing, whether he's lifting, running, whether he's training in, in different ways. So I think he could be even better than we've seen. Yeah, he really, I think he can be, too. You know, he got a lot of pressures last year, and now I want to see him get a lot more sacks. You know, you want to get home. Pressures yeah. are great. Yeah. Sacks are better. Ed, before I let you go, man, you got to tell your running buddy, uh, you got to tell uh, Tyler that Real Madrid and Barcelona are going to play in El Clasico this summer in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. I'm sure he'll be oh, excited no, about I'm that. Sure, you know what? I'm sure he's already got tickets. <laughs> I'm sure he's already lined up with tickets. And, and, and he's, he's uh, I can't believe that um, – 
he won't. Well, he'll be there for sure. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where he'll be in there, but he'll be in. He'll be in there. I'm sure it'll be Bischoff's briefs tomorrow and breaking down that matchup. Oh yeah, he's gonna be excited about that. He loves him some oh, soccer. Yeah. What do you have uh, coming out on the RJ man that we need to be on the lookout for? Uh, well, I'm gonna go to the Aces game this week, so that's kind of cool. Nice. I'm writing something on Amanda Bankson. She's the former UNLV track athlete who's going into the Hall of Fame this week. And then, uh, you know, kind of excited for these OTAs and stuff to get underway with the Raiders, right? I mean, we haven't been able to go out there. Uh, those are the first times we can kind of have availability. So we need to get you and I and, and the other media who are there need to get that going so we can go out there and see what's happening out there. Right. I agree 100%. Well, Ed, great stuff as always, my man. Keep doing a fantastic job on both the RJ and, of course, ESPN Las Vegas as well. Appreciate you as always. Have a great week. Thank you, fellas. I'll talk to you soon. All right, there he goes, Ed Graney from our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, on Twitter, at Ed Graney. Does a great job breaking it down. Fantastic writer for the RJ as well and with us here on Unnecessary Roughness. 2.48 is the time. Take a quick break. Get to your calls. Get to your texts. Close out hour number one. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Hey, Raider Nation, this is Bill Romanowski, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. Boom. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Coming up at the top of the hour, we got John McClain talking all things NFL. It's always good to catch up with the general. That's coming up at the top of the hour, 3 o'clock, to kick off hour number two of Unnecessary Roughness. Want to hear from you, Raider Nation, 702-365-9200. Also, the Sam and Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. I actually got a couple topics to talk about. One, courtesy of Mailman Raider, who hit us up and said, what's the one thing you'd change about the schedule? If you could change something about it, what would it be? Stanton from Vegas said, one thing I would change about the schedule is I would change the Houston game with one of the harder ones. I hate that we have the most time to prepare for our easiest matchup. Never thought about it like that. That's a good one, though. I do like the fact that at least they're coming out of the bye and they, they are at home instead of having to travel like they did a year ago, had to go to New York to play the Giants, and we all know how that shook out. Plus, we all know what the bye week was for the Raiders was not friendly to them in 2021. So we want to hear from you, 702-365-9200. Also want to know, how would you rank the head coaches in the AFC West behind Big Red, behind Andy Reid, as we know he is the number one coach in the division. Let's talk to our guy, Houston in L.A. What's on your mind, my man? Welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, fam? How's everybody doing, man? Chilling, man. We're blessed. All right, cool, cool. Hey, um, I, I'm, I'm going to say the rankings real quick, and then I'm going to also have another thought that was on my mind okay. regarding, regarding that point differential uh, guy and that good uh, explanation I put in quotes. <laughs> All right, but 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 besides that, like as far as ranking, I did KC Andy Reid. I give him his props. So you did that already. So all right, number number two, come on, man, dude from the Chargers. He's a bum. No, not him. Us. <laughs> we got Josh, man. I mean, he's a smart cat. He's an offensive guru, mm-hmm. and like Belichick, man, he was with Cleveland first. Mm-hmm. Came back, look what he did for the Patriots. So I mean, hey, we if we roll with that. Type of angle will be all right. And another thing, Romanovsky, man, it, it, it's funny, man. I just heard that uh, commercial before we got back with you guys. I used to hate that dude, man, when he bought for Denver. I mean, hated him. And now it's like I think he even won a ring for Denver. Didn't even win a ring for the Raiders. But look where his loyalty lies, dude. He's yep. always giving us props. Now, I don't know what he's doing over there in Denver or whatnot. I care less. But – Man, he's always big enough and involved in blood rushing and veins pumping for the silver and black. Yep. I feel that. Now, besides all that, this is what I want to get at. I finally figured it out, man. A lot of it, not all 
of the journalist cats, but just a couple of them. They got like this thing on their computer, and it's like, okay, do you hate the Raiders? And then they'll like look around and like, yes. And then after that, they'll like jump in and they'll say like another question. Are you enthusiastic about journalism? Yes. And then so they'll go a couple steps further. And then they'll join a Raider hater cult, man. That's all that is, bro. It's a Raider hater cult. That's it, baby. That's it. Because for one, how the heck can you even, man? Come on, man. Get get real. Denver, Denver Broncos, come on, man. Now, they they suck. We all know they suck. They they lost pieces because of the Russell Wilson trade. Their best tight end, gone. Audi, gone. And besides that, they got other pieces that, that they lost. But I'm going to look it up after I talk to y'all, man, as far as the point differential uh, business and see if it holds any validity to it. And if it does, you know, my bad, whatever the case may be. But I see where the hate lies because I'm a Lakers fan, my man. And good luck to y'all, man, because I'd rather y'all beat uh, Boston or whoever they're going to play as opposed to Boston doing. I can't stand Boston, man. So, you know, like I see where the hate lies and I can kind of, Say that for me, you know, with the basketball spe- spectrum, because I don't want Boston to do nothing. Because I'm a Laker fan, <laughs> right. you know me. I but, got um, you. All right, man. So I, I just wanted to get that off, man. As far as how the hate is real up in the nation, baby, and we still here and Raiders there, all day, brothers. There it goes. Great call, man. Great call. I love it. Good stuff right there. Demond, we got time for one more. We got to take a quick break. One more quick one. Larry, Larry in Maryland, holler at us, man. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Robert, how you doing, Q? Bless, hey, man. I'm going to piggyback on what the last caller just said. <laughs> I have never in my life heard somebody go back to last year's point differential when you start projecting this year's team. Okay. They're, they're basing the Raiders last year on the moves against the moves that Denver made this year. That doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> okay. The team that the team that had that point differential ain't even there no more. Okay. I got you. I got you. I, that, so, that's what Pro Football Focus does, my man. Thank you for the call. Pro Football Focus, they go off the numbers. So uh, that was why Eric uh, Eager, Eager uh, actually gave that explanation. I thought it was a good explanation. It made a little bit more sense, but uh, apparently nobody in the Raider Nation is buying it. So I'm okay with that. Not mad at that at all. Coming up next, John McClain, formerly of the Houston Chronicle, will join us to talk all things NFL. I'll ask him. I'll ask him about the top four teams in the AFC West. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.